Welcome to the Alpha Male Coach Podcast, the only podcast that teaches men the cognitive mastery and alpha mindset that it takes to become an influential and irresistible man of confidence. Here's your host, certified life coach and international man of mystery, Kevin Ayo. What's up, my brothers? Welcome back to the Alpha Male Coach Podcast. I am your host, Kevin Ayo. And it is June. We're officially in June, which means we are officially in Indomitable Self-Confidence Month in the Academy. And because it's ISC month, I want to take this whole month and kind of go through a 2.0 version of the three pillars of Indomitable Self-Confidence, which I've talked about before. We've done the 1.0 version. I've talked to you guys about what these are. I'm going to remind you of them on this episode before going into the first pillar, which we will get into the first pillar of this episode. And then next week, we'll do the second pillar and the third pillar. And then we'll talk about this top layer that lies or rests upon all three of the pillars. So there are three, right? There are three pillars uh, of indomitable self-confidence. The first pillar is the cognition pillar. It's the thought pillar. And it has to do with all of the stories, all of the thoughts that are running through your mind consciously, unconsciously. It doesn't matter. They're the thoughts that are running through your mind. And whatever these thoughts are about you, about the world, about other people, they are going to create, shape, and strengthen the first pillar of indomitable self-confidence, or they're going to cause it to crumble, cause it to weaken. Now, The second pillar is the emotion pillar. The third pillar is the action pillar. And of course, thoughts, feelings, actions, these are three components of the universal truth that we have direct control over. We have control over thoughts, feelings, actions. The results are the consequence of our actions, which reinforce the thoughts that started the model of alignment, the model of alignment to get to results. The results themselves are out of our control because they're the consequence of our action. And then the circumstance, the fifth component, is also out of our control because that's just the perfection of the moment. So the three components of the universal truth that we have control over, our thoughts, our feelings, our actions, these create the three pillars of indomitable self-confidence. Now, there is a base layer. I want you to almost think of it like a like a Colosseum style, right? Like a a marble Colosseum style where there's just three large columns, three large pillars that are resting upon a marble foundation and upon the top of the three pillars themselves, there's resting then another sort of ceiling or roof. So it's like a sandwich with three columns. And the foundation is what... These three pillars rest upon. It is the foundation of truth, is the foundation of immutable truth, immutable law. And it's basically the primary principle that everything is perfect. And I'm going to come back to that in a moment because I really want to talk about what perfection is. I think when I say perfect, a lot of times people have this idea that perfection is positivity, perfection is goodness, perfection is flawlessness, or or more specifically, What they mean is perfection is the expected outcome of their 
action. So this is what they expect. This is what should come. If it doesn't come, it's not perfect. Something went wrong. That's not what I mean by perfection. So I'm going to come back to that. But with that primary principle, with that solid foundation, it allows for the three pillars of indomitable self-confidence to be strong, to be built. Because without this foundation, without this primary principle, you're essentially trying to build these pillars on a bed of sand. And no matter how indomitable they are, no matter no matter how rigid they may be, how strong, how much weight they can support, on shifting sand, they're still it's still going to collapse. It's still going to come down. It still won't be supported. So you've got to have this foundation, which is the primary principle that everything is perfect. And like I said, I'm going to come back to that. But then on top of these pillars rests the roof or the ceiling. And this is where knowledge and wisdom sort of live because when you have these three pillars in this 2.0 version, what I'm going to describe to you today, so much more becomes clear because indomitable self-confidence is not really an emotion. It is a knowing. It is a state of being. You can feel confident about something. You can be very specific in your confidence. Like I can feel confident about pouring a glass of water, right? I have this amazing confidence that when I pour a glass of water, all of the water will go into the cup, right? I mean, it's like, it's, I know it's a strange example, but it's like, I'm confident about that. And my abilities, I've been doing it for a very long time, many, many years. I've been able to pour water for myself for a long time. So I have this confidence about it. And there's a feeling that's associated with that. But what I'm talking about with indomitable self-confidence is a state of being that just kind of more washes over you and lives. It's like a, it's like it's a place that you live. It's a place that you rest, and it comes from understanding how these three pillars support a very special knowledge, a very special wisdom. So that's kind of the ceiling and the roof. Now, this is where I get into the primary principle, and I'm going to describe this real quickly before going into the first principle. I've talked a little bit about the difference between therapy and coaching, and this is nothing against therapists, right? This is simply uh, a difference between the way therapists approach the human condition and the way I approach or the way my uh, fellow coaches approach the human condition. And it's kind of like taking the same human, taking the same characteristics, the same personality, the same, all of the same of what's happening, right? In their life, like everything, everything that's happening. You know, a therapist will approach it from an angle of something is wrong. Something is broken. Something needs to be fixed, right? And I know I'm not using therapy language, so I'm not out there to offend the therapist on this, but it's kind of like there's a diagnosis that comes with therapy, right? You kind of be, you kind of become diagnosed with something and based on that diagnosis, then there's a work or a set of processes that need to be done to sort of heal you from this diagnosis, right? So there's a there's the approach that something is wrong. There's an approach that something needs to be changed or fixed. And most of the time, therapy will go back. I mean, there's many different disciplines of therapy, but most of the time, therapy will go back to find a cause. They'll find they'll want to find a why. Like, this is why, right? This is what happened that created this or sort of this is the catalyst of, or the beginning of the chain of events that began you on this confirmation bias road of so-and-so and such-and-such to get you to this diagnosis where now we can, now that we've pinpointed it, you can be aware and you're healed, right? It's kind of like, there's there you go. Like, we go into the past to figure it out. I mean, I've been in therapy, right? It's never been as effective for me. And I hear a lot of times that it's not effective for many people. I know it is effective for some people, but I've heard many times that it's effect not effective for a lot of people. And that's where coaching comes in because our premise is that, or at least my premise is that 
everything is perfect. It almost takes the exact opposite. I'm almost in the exact opposite camp, right? So if you got the therapist over there that something's wrong, we need to, you know, we need to find out what is wrong first by diagnosis and then the source, the cause, so that we can then go and fix it. My idea is there's it, everything is perfect. There is simply what's happening is there is simply a cloud preventing you from seeing the perfection because your entire life, throughout your life, not from a single point, a single position, a single event, but throughout the entire osmosis of you being a human, you have taken on from in your environment, society, education, people, parents, friends, everybody, like adults, especially when as kids, we take on a lot from our are bigger humans, right? Right? Like are these people that like, whoa, they're bigger humans. They must know more. And we begin to create these stories. And these stories are these clouds that keep us from understanding ourselves. It's the only sickness that we have. The only illness that any human ever has is not knowing who they are. That's it. And, and whatever medicine it takes for you to get there, whatever healing process you want to go through to get there, whether it's, you know, trying to go back in your past to pinpoint an event that's going to heal you from whatever ails you, that's therapy. Or through coaching, which is, look, I'm going to suppose, presuppose through a primary principle that you are perfect, that the world is perfect, that everything is exactly as it should be. And from that premise, from that primary principle, we're going to begin to build these three fixed, immovable, indomitable pillars of self-confidence that will support for you a base, another second base, a ceiling of knowledge and wisdom about who you are. And the first move is just to understand what I mean when I say everything is perfect. Because what I don't mean is that everything is always good. If I were to say to you that everything is always good, that everything is always happy, that everything's always, you know, positive, then of course I would be insane. I would be in my own insanity because that's not the case. Obviously, like we don't live in that world. We don't live in a world where everything is always good because we live in a world of opposites. We live in a world of duality. And in that duality, there must be a counter. There will always be the opposite. There will always be a bad to a good. There will always be a wrong to a right. There will always be a negative to a positive. There will always be a discomfort to a comfort. And because we live in that world of opposites, this world of duality, we will always experience a contrast of that duality and opposition in that duality. So in order for there to be a feeling, for there to be a thought, for there to be an experience that is good, there must be an experience that feels equally and opposite, oppositely ungood. And in both of those is perfection. It's not that perfection is just the good part. It's not that perfection is just the, the positive part. And that we can live a life without the flaw, quote, flawlessness of the bad part or the flawless or the flawed bad part. I'm saying that perfection includes both the flawed and the flawless. That includes the bad and the good. And in the contrast of the duality, we have perfection. So that in a circumstance that is truly neutral, you know, we look at a uni the universal truth and we take a look at the circumstance that is happening, right? The present moment. And we look at it and we say, this is perfect. That doesn't mean that this is good. It doesn't mean that this is right. It doesn't mean that this, you know, is a positive thing that is happening. I want to say that it is something that always should be happening, which I know can kind of start to test the boundaries of where people's cognition can go and belief system can go. Because when I say it should be happening, then once again, there's a jump to, well, if it should be, then it's the right thing right? If it should be, then it's the good thing. And I'm not saying that. I'm saying that it should be happening because it is happening. I'm not saying that it feels good. 
And I'm not saying that overall in the span of, you know, all time, this is, this moment in time is, you know, one of the, one of the ones that we would subjectify as being a positive or a, a right or a good time. But I am saying that it is exactly what should be happening so that we can receive it as a gift of, in time and learn from it and observe from it and develop from it, kind of live into ourselves. That is how it becomes perfect. So you are like this. I am like this. All things are like this. All time is like this. All moments are like this. All things are this perfection. You are perfect. With that as the primary principle, it's very different than, as you can see, like the therapeutic route where there's something wrong. I'm saying that there is absolutely nothing wrong. You are perfect, including the conditioning that you are in, the current space, wherever you are in your journey of humanness, in your journey of life, it is perfect. Right now is perfect. Always, always, always perfect. This begins to incorporate a natural sort of gratitude for the perfection of the moments. It, the, the perfection as you see it constant, turns into a thank you constantly, right? So it's this perf it's perfect, it's perfect, thank you, thank you. And as that comes through, there is that principle that you can use that will begin to help you separate from your thoughts because that's really the move. It's not about changing your thoughts and that's where we're going to get into the first pillar. But remember, brothers, these pillars can only lie on this foundation that Everything is as it's meant to be, and by definition, as meant to be makes it perfect. So the first pillar is the cognition pillar. It's the thoughts pillar. And, you know, we talk a lot about thoughts. I talk a lot about thoughts in the, in the academy. It really is like the cognitive mastery school, the school for cognitive mastery and emotional ownership. And when we talk about the cognition pillar, really what we're talking about are those thoughts. We're talking about the sentences in the brain. We're talking about the beliefs that the mind has latched onto, these stories that the mind has latched onto in order to feel safe, in order to feel secure, in order to make meaning about a chaotic world that it was basically just picking up bits and pieces of fractions and percentages of shadows that we don't even really understand as children. And we start to create stories about who we are and what we can do and what we can't do and everything else that goes along with it. So when we look at this, and we start to understand the universal truth. You know, the circumstance will trigger a thought. Circumstance is the neutral perfection of the moment as it unfolds. It will trigger a thought based on confirmation bias. They will get a thought that's triggered in your mind, which will create a release of neurotransmitters into your body, into your bloodstream that eventually become feelings through a chemical reaction in the cells. These drive your actions and your actions determine your results, which again provides more confirmation bias for those thoughts. That's the universal truth. And when we look at that in a sort of unconscious or automatic model of alignment, you'll probably find right away that the thoughts you have prevent indomitable self-confidence. Because a lot of times the thoughts that we have are thoughts about our own fears, our own fears around failing, our own fears around death, our fears around rejection, which all are basically going to be some kind of derivative of death, right? Whether it's a fear of rejection, dating back to like those primordial days of being rejected from the tribe and sort of like out on your own and, you know, feeling alone and in that empty space, or whether it's a feeling of fear of not being able to provide, not having the sustenance, which again, kind of goes back to death sustenance in this case, meaning some sort of way to provide or have cash or money finances in the 21st century versus in the primordial times, it's more about 
basic sustenance, feeding, living, surviving, eating, and so on, having something to offer the tribe so you bring it in and you're more accepted. There's that people-pleasing mentality, all of these things that separate us from our indomitable self-confidence because really what's happening with all of that is we are in that unknowing place. We are in that conditioned phase. We're listening to the stories that we think is us, but it isn't us. And so the deconditioning process begins with those models of alignment, those unintentional models of alignment, so you can see them. And in the past, I've discussed the idea of the intentional model of alignment, how to create your own thoughts. We've talked about a lot about laddering thoughts, bridge thoughts, creating thoughts in your intentional model that you can practice, you can build to. But I want to offer that this doesn't create indomitable self-confidence either. It does create self-confidence. Of course, it creates self-confidence because when you begin to program, when you become, when you're in your alpha state, you, when you are the observer of your mind, rather than engaging with your mind, rather than thinking you are your mind, when you're observing your mind and beginning to purposefully program it, then you are in that role of creating intentional models of alignment. You are choosing thoughts that you want to think. But even with that, hear me out on that, like that'll create the self-confidence. That'll get you in that thinking this thought over and over, right? And in specific instances, there may be some value to that. But because the first pillar is already built on the top of the primary principle, then really it's more of rather than creating an an idea of an attentional thought and programming the mind to think in a specific way, it's more of the release from your thoughts altogether and moving to the knowing that I am not my thoughts, that you are not your thoughts. So what are thoughts? What are these things, right? What is the mind? Thoughts are neutral. They're stories. There's stories in your mind, brother. And this is the thing. This is the big move here is that any story your mind is telling you is just a matter of conditioning because that is not who you are. It is a part of who you are. It's a part of who you are that is differentiated from your true self. And now what it's become is a way for you to create in this human experience because it's your connection to the world. It's your connection to other people. And so through your mind, as you connect to the world, as you connect to other people, you become a creator with intention through your thoughts, but in indomitable self-confidence, you know that you are not your thoughts. Your thoughts are this tool. It'd be like, it's like you carrying around a computer with you all the time. It's like you carrying a laptop with you all the time so that you can compute things, so that you can solve problems. Right, You have this computer with you, this laptop, you carry it with you everywhere you go. And because you carry it with you everywhere you go, and because you are always looking things up on it, because you're always using it to you know, engage with people, engage with the world and engage with you know, other people, even yourself, when you're with yourself, you're on this computer, you think it's a part of you. Now, all of a sudden, you think that this laptop is who you are. It's like a part of who you are, but it's not. It's this tool. And I think that's such a funny analogy because now that I think about it, we all have these smartphones in our pockets, so we do kind of have these computers that we're all attached to, but those smartphones are not you, right? Like you are not the smartphone. The smartphone is a separate entity. And even though we can see the smartphone as a separate entity with our mind, we don't understand that it's a separate entity. We think that it's who we are and we engage with it. And then we become those thoughts. And that's the sickness. The illness is when we become our thoughts. And whether you're in therapy, going back into your past to figure out why these thoughts have taken a hold of you, 
and how you can release yourself from these thoughts or whether you work with a coach who relies on the primary principle that you're perfect, but you've had this conditioning in your mind that is not who you are, that you can observe these thoughts instead of engage with them and make them true for you. It doesn't really matter how you get there, but that you get there knowing that your thoughts are not who you are. They are how you create. They are how you create your results, which is why we talk about the universal truth. If you choose to engage with your thoughts, then you can do that. I'm not telling you what to do. This is not you know, me saying this is what you must do. This is me saying that when you do this, this is what happens. You can observe it through your model of alignment. Take a look at it. Take a look at the universal truth. You think this thought and you believe it to be true. What's happening for you with this belief? But you can change that. You can think anything you want because these thoughts are not you. Other people can think anything they want because what other people think tells you nothing about you. You don't have to control other people either. And this plays into the first pillar of indomitable self-confidence as well, because a lot of times when we're in what prevents us from feeling self-confident, this state of being of indomitable self-confidence is a anxiety or a fear of what other people think. That leads into people-pleasing, right? That leads into people-pleasing, approval-seeking, sometimes external validation and, and all kinds of other behaviors that are crumbling that first pillar of indomitable self-confidence because we care about what other people think. But other people can think anything they want as well because it tells you nothing about you. It tells you everything about them. And remember, because our thoughts are not us, their thoughts really don't tell us anything about them either. It just tells us what they're thinking. It, it can probably tell us what kind of results they have in their life because it tells us what they're thinking, but it doesn't tell us who they are. And that's where we get into unconditional love. That's how you can love someone unconditionally because their thoughts are not who they are any more than who that your thoughts are who you are. Thoughts are not people. People are not their thoughts. So the first pillar of indomitable self-confidence is I am not my thoughts. I am the observer of my thoughts. If my thoughts are the beta condition, they're the mind. They're the stories that have been created through my experiences in life, through these sentences. Then my alpha state, who I truly am, is the one that can observe these as stories, whereas my beta condition wants to live them as facts. Like here's some of the not you thinking, right? There's so many not you thinking. So it, it's, it's difficult for me. Like I can keep going. I can keep going with these all day long. But here's one that probably has a lot to do with a lot of you guys is I have to be in control. I have to be brave. I have to do better because if I don't, I won't be worthy, right? There's a strong sense of wanting to prove yourself. You know, this whole idea of working more, I need to do more, I need to do more. The more that I do, the more that I grow. See, that's the thing is on the primary principle, brother, you are perfect as you are. You don't need to grow, you don't need to do. This is a form of your conditioning that when you release this conditioning, you're living in a completely different state of being. And that state of being is indomitable self-confidence. It doesn't mean that you stop doing things. It just means that you stop doing things because you have this sense of lack and unworthiness and you think that by doing it, It'll make you better or it'll give you something that you think that you need that, and that thing will make you better. That's all the illusion. That's all the conditioning because you are already perfect. That's the primary principle. We can do that, right? It's not a problem. We're not tired yet. I'm not tired. I never get tired. I'm afraid that I will feel inadequate if I do that because I don't want to go through, uh, go do that because I might fail, right? There's a fear of failure, the fear of rejection. I'm afraid that by doing this, what the outcome will be, right? What will the outcome be? Why be responsible for criticism? Why be responsible to be blamed? 
There's all there's that. Like, what will happen in the future? What will people think of me in the future? I can't do that because I might lose my connection with this or that person. Right? The relationship. You like lose yourself in the in, in some idea of a relationship, some idea of somebody else's thoughts. So there's so many not you thoughts that are possible out there that can really crumble this first pillar of indomitable self-confidence. When you have the primary principle, then whatever moves through your mind, whatever thoughts move through your mind and you begin to know that they are not who you are, you can just allow them to be there. You can definitely sift them through the computer, right? We can take them through the mind itself and we can break them through a computer. That's the idea of the intentional model of alignment. The intentional model of alignment is, yeah, we can come up with another thought. We can use this computer to show that the opposite is equally and oppositely true, right? So if the thought is that, you know, nobody will love me and then my intentional thought is everybody loves me. Yeah, of course, my brain can come up with both. Yeah, because that's what the brain does. The brain just comes up with the computations. It comes up. I mean, it's a thing. It's a mind. It's a problem solver. It's like, what thought do I need to feel better? Oh, I can put this thought in there. Yeah, right. Exactly. You can put any thought you want in there. That's what I'm telling you, brother. But you are not the thoughts. You are the primary principle. You are perfect. You are this alpha being, this alpha concept, this thing, this perfection that is so amazingly perfect. And again, perfection in the duality, but so amazingly perfect that there cannot ever be anything wrong. In this universe, in this experience, it is so amazingly perfect perfect and complex because it's perfect in its complexity. We don't really even understand why it's so perfect. We just know that it must be perfect because it is what it is. Because here we are and we are here because it is. So in that offering of perfection, we are perfect within it. We are all perfect in this oneness. So as we have that and as we work with that in, in that knowing, the thoughts just drift through. It doesn't matter what the thoughts are. You can definitely go into an intentional model and say, well, I, you know, th- I can think this, I can think that. But if you begin to want to use the intentional model of alignment in order to resist or fight against the thought that you already have, then you're not going to go anywhere. This is pushing a boulder uphill. This is pushing a boulder uphill and trying to figure out why the boulder is not rolling downhill. You want the boulder to roll downhill, right? We want to just be free. You want to be free. You want to feel indomitably self-confident. Just be free. So you want the boulder to roll downhill, but you're afraid of letting it roll downhill. You're afraid of just letting these thoughts go, letting these thoughts run through your brain and knowing that you are not who they are. You can be detached from them, that they can exist without you engaging with them. But you don't know that. So instead, you try to prevent this boulder from rolling and you're rolling it uphill through positive thinking. I'll just replace it with this thought. Let's go with this thought. I love the mind for its ability to imagine, for its ability to imagine the future and create what comes next. But it is not a decision maker, my friend. And it definitely is not who you are. It is not who you are. So in this first pillar of indomitable self-confidence, yes, you can think a new thought. You can change the way you think about this specific instance, this specific event. But to move to the state of being that is indomitably self-confident, to have that sort of wash over you in peace and and freedom, just like a, a relaxing of everything, a relaxing of your mind, a relaxing of your body, then it must come from a different kind of knowing. And that knowing is the knowing of yourself. 
Because when you know yourself, indomitable self-confidence as a state of being just floods your body and it can happen in an instant. And it's unlike feelings that are dependent on an emotion. Because remember, feelings, they come from a neurotransmitter. Indomitable self-confidence comes from a deep knowing. It's a knowledge that goes beyond information. It's not the information of the mind. It's the information that lives in the heart of your experience. And in the first pillar or the cognition pillar, this means that you come to build the knowledge in the truth that you are not your thoughts, that your thoughts are a tool of creation for you to relate to the human experience with. You are not what you think you are. With self-knowledge comes the building of the first pillar of indomitable self-confidence, and it allows any thought to exist without engagement into an illusion of false image. We are doing indomitable self-confidence all month in the academy. Enroll now. No discovery call required, brothers. You can just fill out a short form and get started right away. I will see you there, and I look forward to working with you. Until next week, my friends. Elevate your alpha. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Alpha Male Coach Podcast. If you enjoy what you've heard and want even more, sign up for Unleash Your Alpha, your guide to shifting to the alpha mindset at thealphamalecoach.com slash unleash. Unleash.